Good morning, Hope Church. Really good to be with you this morning. We're going to start with a word of prayer today. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness and goodness. Lord, we want to thank you. You have sustained us this week. You've brought us through another week and we continue to ask for your strength. And this morning we pray that as we look at your word, that you would enable us, you would give us faith and hope and that you would strengthen us by your spirit in Jesus name. Amen. Last week, we looked at participating in Christ and not being passive. And this week, I want to look at how do we participate in and with Jesus? Now, this is to do with salvation. We have to be in a right standing with Jesus first and foremost before we can fully participate. But we also need to know how to continue to participate with, Je with Jesus. We've already made the charge that any follower of Jesus has already given up their right to themselves. They have died to their own ambition and they recognize that Christ is the Lord of their lives. This then is part of the starting point. It's also important to note that the point of making a decision to follow Jesus is also part of the starting point. Over the years, people seem to think that once they've made a decision to follow Jesus, all is done. Everything is complete and it's finished. This can be seen in the ticket to heaven syndrome. These are people who only ever refer to their faith in terms of when they made a decision, but they do not seem to have moved on from that place. They don't seem to have any forward momentum spiritually in Jesus. We need to be really clear. Christianity is about a daily decision. We've established that the starting point in spiritual life is deciding to follow Jesus and following him on a daily basis. We have recognized that we die and Christ lives in and through us. This, in my mind, is a simple survey of where we start. And I do want to emphasize where we start, not where we finish. W.H. Davis has a famous poem called What Is This Life? Now, I'm, I'm taking it a bit out of context, but I do think it's a good question. What is this life? And to answer that question, I believe we need to turn to the Bible. It's not about money, wealth, fame and power. That's why we need to turn to the Bible, because social media and the television and the news, it's all about money, wealth, fame and power. And I want to constrain my response to the question, what is this life, for those who follow Jesus Christ, for those who have an intention of participating daily with Jesus Christ. After all, life, eternal life and spiritual life starts with Jesus Christ. The key text I want to look at today comes from 1 Timothy. It's 1 Timothy 4 verse 7 to 10. And this is what it says. Have, it, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying and deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the saviour of all people and especially of those who believe. The key word in this text is godliness. 
notice the contrast between physical training and godliness. Physical training will only benefit us in this life. And yet godliness benefits us not only in this life, but also in the life to come. Therefore, godliness is to be more desired than physical exercise. Over this lockdown period, the Prime Minister has highlighted the importance of physical exercise. Sadly, he has neglected the fact that godliness has an even greater benefit than physical exercise. Godliness will benefit us in this life and making us more like Jesus, but also it will benefit us in the life that is to come in heaven. So if you want to do something on this earth that will also benefit you in heaven, your best investment is the pursuit of godliness. Godliness then is a key focus for the disciple of Jesus. Godliness then is the way that we participate in Christ. We begin to see that many of the sayings that Jesus gave were to help people to godliness. The Sermon of the Mount on the Mount is for an example of that. Jesus was ever teaching and training people to godliness. He was teaching his disciples to become godly. Every lesson was to help the disciples so that they would be more godly men and women. There are two key scriptures that emphasize this. The first is 2 Peter 1 verse 3 to 4. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by by evil desires. Let me unpack this a little bit. Notice that it says this, God's divine power, not our flesh, not our strength. It is power that comes from God. What does it do? It says God's divine power gives us everything. So there is a flow from God to us. And what does it give us? It gives us everything we need to live a godly life. Let me say first and foremost, it means it is possible to live a godly life. There are some who believe it is impossible, but this, these verses in 1 Timothy clearly state it is possible to live a godly life because God's divine power gives us everything we need. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to make it happen. God will supply. Further, it says that this happens through God's promises. It says his promises are great and precious. And it says through these promises, we participate in the divine nature. These promises of God help us to escape the corruption in the world that is caused by the evil desires that we have. Now, we need to re-emphasize the word we used last week. It's about participation. A question raised by these verses uh, are how do we become godly? How does that come about? Yes, we want to escape the results of evil desires. How can we do this? The simple truth is that we need to be moved to action. Uh, understanding and knowing the promises of God is not enough. Uh, let me say that again. Understanding and knowing the promises of God are not enough. 
knowing them and understanding them is available to the whole world. And yet the whole world is not saved. The whole world is still corrupted by its evil desires. And if you look at our modern world that we live in, not only is it corrupt, it celebrates this corruption and tries to legislate and force everybody to agree with its corruption. So how do we escape this? Well, as I've said, the simple thing is action. That is to participate with Jesus. Every promise of God has in some way an action in faith that is required, and we must participate in these actions. God does his bit. Remember that his divine power gives us everything. So God is doing his bit. He supplies. And then we have to do our bit. You might ask, well, what is my bit? Well, it depends on which of God's promises you are looking at. Let me give you an example. How do we get saved? In Mark 1 verse 5, John the Baptist comes and tells the people to repent and believe the good news. Why? Because in Acts 3, we're told, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Now, this is, this is an amazing, great and precious promise. Our sins can be wiped out. How? By repenting and believing. The act of repenting and believing unlock the promise to wipe out our sins. And yet we know that there are people who do not believe and do not repent. And therefore, Jesus says this at the end of Matthew's gospel. In Matthew 21, verse 31 to 32, he said, he said, Jesus said to them, truly, I tell you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John the Baptist came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. Those who repented and believed got saved. That's the simple truth. Those who acted on the promise, what they needed to do, got saved. They participated with Jesus. The others didn't. This is the simple fact of God's promises. We must participate and do what is commanded. This is really unpopular in our day. We have this false teaching of grace that basically says you have to do nothing. That is not New Testament truth. The grace of God is God's supply of power as we obey. Now, the world is without excuse when it comes to Jesus. This truth about being obedient to what he has said has been preached for 2000 years. The COVID-19 pandemic has caused thousands of churches to move online and the material is available to an even wider audience. There is only one thing that is missing to make it effective. We need to be participating in it. We need to practice and participate in what Jesus tells us to do.
Now, this also includes those of us who sit in church and agree with the truth, but do not practice it. There are often people part of church who love the truth, but don't do it. And we need to be those who are doers. You remember that parable about the father asking two sons to go and work in the field. And he says to the first one, will you go? And he says, no, but in the end he does go. And he asks the second one, will you go? He goes, yes, but he doesn't go. And then he says, who actually went? And he said, well, the first one. So it's not what you believe, it's what you do. And that should come out of what you trust in God. James speaks about this when he says this in James 1 verse 19 to 25. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So we need to participate in it. You understand it's not just about knowing the truth or even understanding the truth. It is being obedient to the truth and where we lack the power, crying out to God in faith and he will supply the divine power so that we can live in the blessing and in the truth and in the promise that he has given. So the first step in participating in the divine nature is obedience in action with God's promises and their requirements. A failure to act will elicit the same response from Jesus to us that he gave to the Jews that we read earlier. Now, the purpose of godliness is to have Christ formed in us. As we read the promises of God, as we obey his commands, we are changed, not by applying it using our old sinful nature, but by allowing the Holy Spirit to supply the power. A non-Christian will never overcome the sinful nature, but a follower of Jesus will by faith, trust and obedience overcome the sinful nature. And this means that every decision we make is important and has an impact. This is highlighted by C.S. Lewis in his book, Merely Christianity. He says this, Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different than it was before. And taking your life as a whole, with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning this central thing into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature, either into a creature that is in harmony with God or with other creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with his fellow creatures and with itself. To be the one kind of creature is heaven, that is, it is joy and peace and knowledge and power. To be the other means madness, horror, 
idiocy, rage, impotence, and eternal loneliness. Each of us at each moment is progressing to the one state or the other. Do you begin to see how important this daily walk with Jesus is? Every time we are faced with a decision, there is a godly response and there is a sinful response. And every decision that we make leads us further into the path of godliness and being more like Christ, or further in the path of becoming those who end up being condemned by God. We do not go to hell or heaven by an instant decision. We go there by decisions that we make every single day that multiply one upon another and lead us down that path. Each one starts with a main decision, but we find that we have to keep on making the right decisions each day. Now, that doesn't matter, mean that we're going to be perfect, but uh, if we do get lost, we can get back on the right path. We've just got to make sure that we are constantly before God. And so every command of God that we obey creates more of Christ's character within us. This is participating in the divine nature. Paul puts it this way in Galatians, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, uh, the, sorry, the, yeah, pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. It is about Christ being formed in us. Every decision we make forms Christ or forms something else. We partake of the divine nature through every decision by believing every promise and being obedient in faith. Godliness, then, is a progression. We have opportunity every day in a thousand choices to partake in the divine nature of God. Not by our own strength. I don't want you to be confused here. It's not by your own strength, but by crying out to God and entrusting in his supply. John Wesley, that great man of God, makes this following statement after he got saved. He says this, after my return home, I was much buffeted with temptations, but I cried out and they fled away. They returned again and again, and as often I lifted up my eyes and he sent me help from his holy place. And herein I find, uh, sorry, herein I found the difference between this and my former state chiefly consisted I was striving, yea, fighting with all my might under the law as well as under grace, but then I was sometimes, if not often, conquered. Now I was always the conqueror. What he is saying is that before he trusted in Jesus, when he tried to overcome temptation, he always failed. But now, when he was faced with temptation, what he did was cry out to God, and as he cried out to God in faith, God supplied the strength and he overcame the temptation. Godliness and participation in the divine nature comes through faith in Christ. We cannot conquer sin using the sinful nature. No, we repent, we believe, and we trust. God then supplies our need with an abundance of power. As I conclude this morning, I want you to see the amazing provision of God. I don't want you to focus on past failures. We all have these, but I want you to fix your eyes on Jesus.
the one who has secured our freedom, who has purchased us, and more than this, who has promised to supply abundantly more than we need. We can call out to him every day and every moment, and he will supply our need. Our participation is along the line of Wesley's. We cry out, we call to God, we lift our eyes in expectation, and power flows from the throne of grace. Let's not be passive in this matter. Let's stir ourselves up to action. Let's make up our minds with every decision to lean on Christ and on his supply. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you that as we trust in you, as we look at those uh, great and precious promises, as we do what you expect of us to do, but as we trust in your supply of strength and grace, we will be overcomers. We are more than conquerors. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We can walk a victorious and godly life. And Father, I pray that you would help us this morning. I pray those whose hearts are crying out to you right at this moment, that you would be their supply, that from your throne of grace would be a flow of power and supply. And so, Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We commend ourselves to you. Help us to participate with Jesus. Help us to be godly people. Help us to discipline ourselves to godliness. And so, Lord, we might benefit today in this life, but also in the one to come. Bless everyone. Bless those who hear this message and help us to move forward. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. God bless you and have a really great day.